This week's episode is brought to you by Free Speech TV. On television, the internet, and radio, Free Speech TV inspires viewers to build a more just, equitable, and sustainable society. For more information, visit freespeech.org. Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the greatest city between Sonoma and Chablis. I'm Ron Doyle. Joining me today are Joel Warner. Hello. Uh, Jared Jakang Mayer. Hey, Ron. And Josh Johnson. Hi there. Uh, and our man behind the glass, as always, is Julian Mondragon. Good morning, Julian. Hello, everyone. And our special guest today is Jacob Harkins, ed- editor and founder of Local Winos Media. Thanks for being here, Jacob. Yeah, thanks for giving me a reason to drink wine uh, three hours before noon. It's always my goal every day. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Uh, on today's episode, red lights, white wines, and Valentine's blues. We talk photo radar, Colorado wines, coming of age, and places to dine on Valentine's when you're single or married with children. But let, let's forget all of that for just a moment, okay? Can because we have we have a special rant report. Uh, let me let me set this very up for our listeners very quickly. It's ten o'clock at night on January twenty fifth. Okay, Colorado State Representative Laura Bradford is driving home in her personal car with its legislative license plates, and she's pulled over by the Denver police for erratic driving. She smells like booze, admits to drinking three glasses of wine before she drove, fails the roadside sobriety tests, has a gun in the car. But then, according to the Denver police, Bradford claims legislative immunity, an old Colorado constitutional clause that protects lawmakers traveling to and from legislative sessions. So instead of arresting a clearly drunk driver, the Denver police send Bradford home in a cab with a minor traffic ticket. A few days later, the Denver police retract their initial statement and say that Bradford did not invoke legislative immunity and instead insisted on being treated like a regular citizen, but that the supervising officer on the scene refused to arrest her. Now, everybody is asking why. Why no arrest? Why no backtracking? Is it because the Denver police have been brushing up on their ancient Colorado constitutional law? Did Representative Bradford show the officers her legislative briefs? Why? Why, why, why? Well, folks, Diatribe's very own Jared Maher says he knows the reason why and that he's known for a long time. Jared? Thanks, Ron. <laughs> so that the cheesiest <laughs> intro ever? So, uh, as, I've, as I've been watching this whole uh, issue with uh, Representative Bradford unfold, and now she has this uh, uh, ethics complaint possibly going through the legislature, and everyone's looking at this legislative immunity law. And the thing that I keep looking at is that everyone's brushing over the real issue here, which is the problem with these legislative license plates. Now, these things are license plates that uh, every single lawmaker gets at the state capitol. And what it has is just instead of, you know, the six numbers, it just has their um, the, the number of their district. Right. And so it's identified as a legislative license plate. But the difference is that these are the only license plates in Colorado that do not have a corresponding DMV record with them. So if I get a personalized license plate, you know, there's a million of them here in Colorado for breast cancer or, you know, the Columbine ones or other things like that. It's still like you still have to go through the DMV. It's still attached to your registration, right? And as I um, had found when I was 
investigative reporter for Face the State uh, about a year ago, I started looking into this. And what I found was that these plates, they're just handed to these lawmakers like they're just uh, blank pieces of paper. And so they and so the effect is, is that when you don't have these license plate numbers attached to any DMV records, then things like at traffic stops. What's the first thing like a Representative Bradford. What's a what's what's the first thing a police officer will do when they pull a car over? License registration. Or yeah, or they wrote, they plates. they look at they the license plates. They they type in the the number and they're able to come up right away with whoever the that uh, car is registered to. The problem with these plates is you look at them and there's nothing that they can type in, right? So they don't know really who the car belongs to. They don't have any of that information. And so in a traffic stop like this, they pull over this car and they look at it and they see that it's a legislative license plate, but they go to type it in like they would for any other normal person and they get nothing. So that forces the police officer then to get out of the car, ask her for her license and registration. And that's when she gets it at that point. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just amazed that everyone's focusing on this legislative immunity law, but no one's looking at the real problem, which is why don't we just have these legislative license plates attached to actual DMV records? And the thing that is most outrageous about this with people talking about whether or not legislators are getting sort of a free pass on different things is that the, in addition to at traffic stops, imagine when you go through running red lights and things like that. When you get a red light ticket, and I know we're going to talk about that in a second, how do I actually get that ticket? How does it get to me as the car's owner? The through the license plate. Through the Jared. license plate, the camera scans it and it sends it. It sends it to my house or whoever is the plan. I love your rhetorical question and, this morning. And the uh, things like the the tolling on E four seventy, right? You know how when you if you keep going on E four seventy or whatever, and all of a sudden you get that 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 toll fee in the mail. Well, th- legislators they could they can and probably do drive on these things as much as they want. They can get red light tickets and those tickets they'll hit the computer system and they'll just disappear. Boop. Oh my These people can't be stopped. So, yeah, so I, I think the lo- representative Laura Bradford issue, the reason why they're backtracking, the reason why she got off so lightly is because of these license plates. They ran it and they were like, they went on red alert. They were like, we don't know what to do. She's not in the system. Uh, you know, it must have been either a paperwork issue or they felt she was above the law. They immediately treated her different because of the license plate. That would have been the first signal. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have treated her like a regular citizen and not known she was a regular citizen. Pulled her out and beat her up on the curb you mean (laughs) (laughs) oh wait did i say that out loud and so at the very least i think that this incident should have prompted a discussion or at least some investigation by other members of the media looking at these legislative license plates but i don't anticipate that'll happen back to you ron okay well all right let's move on if if you'd like to hear more of jared's conspiracy theories and rants be sure to join us for our special live podcast at henderson's lounge in denver film center on wednesday february 29th at 7 p.m our theme, Killing the Cowtown, depictions of Denver and film literature and music. Our special and guests, we've got, we've got a huge list now. It, we've, got, uh, we've got journalists from the Onion AV Club, radio DJs from Open Air 1340, cartoonist Kenny B, fantasy horror author Mar- Mario Acevedo, Aaron Barnes of Donnybrook Writing Academy, and lots more. So there's going to be live music, drink specials, giveaways, good time for everybody. For more information, make sure you visit our website, denverdiatribe.com. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe. So, all right. Um, yeah, we've got the issue of red lights. The, we've got legislators going through the red lights, getting away with it. And now we have uh, regular citizens 
blowing through red lights and speeding on purpose just so they can flip up these photo radar cameras. What's what's the deal going on there, Joel? Yeah, when you when you first assigned me to talk about white lines, I was all excited. I thought we were doing some cocaine <laughs> along with our uh, wine tasting. Unfortunately, it's a little <laughs> less exciting, but it's still it's still. I'm, I'm sorry. It's almost at the level of cocaine. I'm sorry to um, let you down. But yeah, that. but uh, there's been a lot of discussion lately about these new kind of uh, photo uh, ticketing systems that have been popping up here in Denver as of late. I think for a while we've had a couple of the speeding uh, the speed, cameras, the speed traps. Yeah, yes. the yep. speed traps where you know if you go a certain cer- a certain point over the speed limit, they'll. You, s- you see the you mysterious rapist van sitting on the side of the road, and when you drive by, yeah. it flashes at you, yeah. and then you're like... Uh, see, I always speed up when I see the rapist van to get away from it, so right. it's kind exactly. of like it's kind it's, of unfair. It's counterintuitive. It's like, oh, no, the rapist is here. I better, I better get away. Anyway, so I guess like the newer version of this are these white line cameras where I guess at like four different intersections around the city, if you go... Uh, if you stop beyond the white line at these intersections, uh, you'll get the telltale photograph and i think for a long time you got a 75 dollar um white line ticket. which which is the same as if you completely blew through the red light and so you, so you should have just blown through it because then you would have gotten to your location sooner in the same exactly the so stopping, i guess stopping recently, short, same penalty recently i guess responding to criticism uh the city kind of lowered the fine from four from 75 to 40 now this is after they've already kind of made like millions off this thing now at the same time i guess some legislators proposing some bill to get to get you know, to kind of do away with these kind of photo enforcement devices altogether there's all the argument about whether they're even enforceable to begin with right there's uh, there's an there is on the law if you take a look it it clearly states that if these tickets are not valid unless personally issued by a police officer uh face to face they have to issue the summons to you. Otherwise, it's not a valid ticket. Yep. They have to do that within 90 days. So if you get it in the mail, we're not giving legal advice here, folks, but you don't have to pay it. Mm. Uh, yeah, that still seems kind of sketchy. I mean, I, like, it's not <laughs> as if someone's going to come up and give a ticket if I'm peeing on every random wall around the city. I still don't go around peeing on everything. You I, know? You're I mean, right. I, you know, it's kind of like... I first heard about this story in, in my, my hyper-local newspaper, the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle, which a is... A bastion is, of, of is, fact. Is kind of <laughs> <laughs> which, which gives out great headlines like, Ikea sucks. And, you know, the, they're, they're kind of a sensationalist hyper-local paper. They're pretty, they're pretty fun to read. But, you know, there is some legitimacy to it. There is a lawyer here in town who, who actually got... Uh, photo radar law uh, traffic enforcement um, banned in Denver temporarily back in 2002 and and it came back for this very same reason they they did write into the law because they're concerned about this just being a cash cow and not a public safety thing it's absolutely a cash cow even now and what's so disturbing about the the recent development is that we've had these photo red light systems in Denver for a long time $75 tickets for driving through some of these things under the guise of it being um, for safety purposes. But there's been very few studies or evidence that in a lot of these areas that it actually does reduce um, accidents. Um, In some cases, they found that it can increase accidents. And what what was so amazing about this is there's a contractor that the city uses to administer these red light tickets. It's called ACS that along with uh, having these red light tickets about a year ago, then they started adding in this thing, like as soon as you cross the red line, 
it they, would take they, your photo and do they, that. They're so actually they doing, they're doing studies to figure out how to milk more money out of it is what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, by by, by sort of adjusting the level by which you get a ticket, the, the then, then it the increased the amount of people who were getting red light tickets and the city got something like um, – Hundreds and of thousands extra, of dollars. Yeah, extra for this. three quarters of a million dollars. In I mean, are we four missing months. something though? That these people, they are still breaking the yeah. law. I uh, mean, you know, still. I what, mean, they still what, going driving speed limit. Well, that, no, no, that's, no. That's yeah, what yeah what, what's that, Jacob? Well, I finished. Uh, Jacob's uncorking oh, wine bottles. I just bottles finished over here. uncorking, so now I can jump into the conversation. Um, it might be a cash cow completely, but the bottom line is, if you run a red light, you can get a ticket. I don't care how yeah. you get that ticket. If I go beat someone over the head with a bat or a wine bottle. You but know, the issue isn't, video, isn't running the red light. We're not, yeah. the, we're not talking about running red lights. We're talking about when you stop if you're above, if you're past the that, white that, line, the little white line that you know happens. What? Just I freaking just hate <laughs> those people that <laughs> park beyond the white line. You know, I'm, I'm not going to walk my four year old like through like the snow and the ice and the slush. And some fucking asshole in his BMW is off like you know, literally kind of driven halfway through it, so he can, so he can, so we can, so we can, so can get through the light. Yeah, that, that millisecond faster. I'm, was so it you're for it? it? Yes. For it? Yes. I'm the I'm the bike commuter, so personally, I like the white line rule. It it makes it makes people sort of hold back. You know, it makes yeah. me feel safe as a bicycle yeah. commuter in town. But I still I you know, I'm concerned. Is it making people behave differently? And is there a better way? Well, but really, is it, here's the question. Even if it is a cash cow, we have we have a budget problem in this state. What is is it a, is it that big a deal? Should we just let it go? Should we let what go? Like these? Should, these should we just leave it? I mean, we and... say yes. We know it's a cash cow, and let it ride. Well, it's it's but it's it's just backdoor taxation because they know that voters aren't going to uh, vote for any tax increase, so they find ways to increase fines um, across the board on different things or fees. But um, you don't as have a way to get fined for it. You you. You it's cannot buy no choice or, to get or, this tax. Or you could, you know, in the in the traffic in the speeding in the speed traps, you can just go faster than twenty five miles an hour over the speed limit and you're fine because that's actually a criminal violation and they can't yeah. send you a photo radar ticket for that. So maybe we should just break the law more. We'll break the law more or just don't pay the ticket because as you Or just, just don't pay the ticket. Because we don't all. have to, so it's voluntary taxation. I my point is, is that it may be, it may, <laughs> so be, it may running, be technically right, against running, the law. Here's what we've learned, folks: running a red light and speeding is your civic responsibility. To in order, in order, if, if you feel like you really want, you want to, to have uh, public Colorado services, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess, my final point would be that yes, it is technically against the law to cross the the, the white line with the yes. front of your car. Correct, but. There's lots of things that are technically against the law. Jaywalking is, is against the law. Littering is against the law. And if we really Ar are going to apply that, then we could put cameras. There are already police cameras all across the city under the HALO system. We could start having those things start deploying tickets and really fill up the coffers. And so the, the point is, is like at what level do you draw the line for these types of systems and these fines you're imposing on people? Josh, Josh, you were you were, you've been nodding your head at everything that's been said, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's because he's already drunk. Well, I mean, he's been drinking the wine. He's sipping off. He's the like, wine. yeah, I that's think, a great I idea. I think we should just get rid of cops <laughs> and self-govern. Oh, self. Whoa! <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, we knew Julian was working on uh, a sound effect for that. Luckily, one, you have legislative plates. <laughs> you are a representative. We I am above the it. law. <laughs> okay, well, we're not we're not going to solve the issue today, but we will be seeing this again. It's going to come up. Uh, keep an eye out for what's going to happen in in the legislature, and make sure you go check out that Westward. There, there. Westward just posted a couple days ago a 
a picture of a guy who intentionally went through a red light or he was speeding, I can't remember which, just so he could flip off the camera and send it in to Westward so they could put it on their blog. Can we so. use that as, as our image for our uh, this posting on our podcast? Uh, I think... I think we should. Yes. Uh, so go ahead. Go go look at our website. We'll make sure to put it in the blog post for this podcast. All right. Here's what we've what at least all the hosts have been waiting for. And <laughs> wait, wine. Wait, Colorado wine doesn't suck anymore. I thought it tasted like blackberry flavored Bartles and James the last time I had it. I have my twelfth annual tour of the vineyards that I went to a million years ago. Whenever my wife and I, you know didn't have children and had fun and uh yeah i i distinctly remember having a great time it's a beautiful place palisade is fantastic but the wine was kind of disappointing but uh, fortunately we have jacob harkins with the, with us here today and jacob says uh, colorado juice has uh, come of age it's doing better well let, let's be honest there still is some colorado wine that sucks that, <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't Thank wa- god i, I don't want to <laughs> lead people astray and say it's this big happy party of amazing wine um, but what people don't realize is over the past five, ten years, and, and even a little bit longer, there has been uh, there have been more than a few wineries coming along who are making good juice. And uh, you know, a bunch of wine geeks and I, we blind taste the stuff in little secret meetings that we don't invite people to. Nice. Um, but then with, we write with hoods. With, we have hoods and <laughs> initiation ceremonies and all that. And uh, typically speaking, what we find is these Colorado wines stand up against wines from california wines from france wines from wherever else so it's actually kind of kind of fun i spent the last two years drinking a lot of colorado wine um which is sometimes painful and sometimes really exciting it's a good thing you have those legislative plates and you're above the law or you'd be in trouble driving home every day i should get the legislative plates for the amount of like uh goodwill (laughs) i've given to the the colorado wine industry lately um (laughs) But yeah, their, their lobbyists will hook you up. We can get those for you. Uh, if they're listening right now, which I'm hoping they are, then then let's put that in. I need some legislative plates. Um, but yeah, so you, and the cool thing about Colorado wine, there's about a hundred wineries in the state, yeah. which people are always shocked to hear. Um, most of the grapes come from where you were at Palisade, uh, but most of the wines being made elsewhere. We've got uh, you know maybe 40 wineries or so along the Front Range. Uh, we got wineries in Cortez, wineries in Paonia, wineries in Olathe, you know, wineries in Canyon City. They're kind of coming from all over the place. And um, the wines I brought here today, coincidentally, three of the four are made on the Front Range. Um, and that I just pulled these out of my little cellar of Colorado wine, which is unruly at times. But uh, you guys look thirsty. Yeah, let's 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 have a taste. Let's have a taste. You guys are going to get to listen to us do some slurping. Julian, can you can you take a break for a second? Come around and grab a glass. No, <laughs> he just gave me. Yes, this. of course. Yeah, well, of course. This I is have like nothing the, to do today but this. This is like the Denver Bourgeoisie podcast. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. This is an excellent segue. While Wait, he's pouring, we, we, I have no. Go. We missed pointing out your van. What was that? A vampire accent. <laughs> 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 but of course, <laughs> that is my accent. Well, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't well, my. Well, it was Julian. not the count. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, my my apologies for my bad bad accents. All right, uh, no, uh, yeah, this is actually an excellent segue. You're talking about the bourgeois, I, Jared. Uh, several several episodes ago, uh, like twenty episodes Julian's ago, running into the studio you, right now. You called for an end to the word uh, hipster. I did. Uh, and we have not, until just now, when I just said it, we have not used that word on the show since then. 
haven't. I'm impressed with this. And I, I, I'm pleased to announce that I actually found a new word for it. What is it? It's it's bobo. Oh. It's, it's the French. Uh, it's the oh. Parisian word. For, it means uh, a uh, bohemian bourgeois. Uh-huh. So it's like uh, rich kids who are pretending that they're starving artists. Okay. I really don't like that because that can make them sound really really impressive. I want to be a bobo. I don't want to be a hipster. You are a bobo. bobo. <laughs> well, I think know. we're all a little bobo. <laughs> bobo mean dumb. Well, sure. In bobo. Spanish, doesn't it? Tonto. Tonto, yeah. Yeah. Okay, back to wine, guys. Back to wine, all right. I want to get drunk. <laughs> that, let's it's, let's it's, do this, Jacob. All right, so the first wine we have here is Canyon Wind Cellars. Um, the reason I bought th- brought this bottle of wine is, is twofold. One, Canyon Wind Cellars out of Palisade, one of the better winemakers... Uh, wineries in Colorado, in my mind, um, but also this wine is is remarkable because it's like ten or eleven bucks on on the shelf, which is unheard of with quality in Colorado good, for good the prices. most part. So this is a nice little quality wine. Uh, the winemaker and owner Jay Christensen will tell you he actually probably loses money off this forty seven ten series, and this is their white wine. They have a rosé and a red, um, but at least it gets some halfway decent juice into the hands of people who don't want to spend more than twelve bucks on a bottle. Sure. Um, so if you want to be, you know, yeah. tell, tell, tell uh, us what to do. Give us the, give us right. a little tip. So, so if people want to taste wine, rub it on your teeth, right? Yeah, you know. Well, the first thing you should do is, is <laughs> no, you got, you got, you got to smell the wine, and and the way you do that, you know, like just oh. so we're, we're swirling, he's swirling, swirling the shit swirling, out of his glass right now. Swirling our glasses. I mean, you, he's you making a little wine tornado and, in, his, and, in his glass. And what this is, it is it's a. Re- you know, wow! I'm stumbling already, like I uh, stuttering. But it's getting all those aromas out there, and then you got to. This is where like the, the snobbery comes in. Yeah, you got to stick your nose in. You really got to get your nose down. I mean, you should. Push the mic so people. Push your nose. You should. You should literally. You can. I snort wine at my nose by accident sometimes, <laughs> and it, that means do you're it doing it right. Was that, was that loud? What was that noise? <laughs> so, so that what, sounded so, like a canyon wind. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are you smelling when you do this? Like what? What should be? I think well, wine. here, here, here's the dirty little secret. You're gonna smell. Everyone's gonna smell something different than me. And if I tell you what you smell, then you'll smell it because it's the power of suggestion, and you think I'm an expert, which is total BS because I'm just this guy who gets drunk. No, no, by all, by all means, influence us. And, okay. <laughs> I, I, okay, so so let's get. Uh, it's kind of fruity and melony, and you've got these like tropical things going on, and it's uh, it's a Pinot Grigio Chardonnay blend. Um, so it, it's got a, a lot going on actually for a, a, an entry level wine in my mind. Um, simple, for, you know. I, I kind of think of sitting on a porch. It is a porch pounder. Um, go well with cheeses, and I'm saying that even before I drink it, just because it's kind of. I love it. It's yeah, fun. I, I, you I, know, really I don't, like I don't li- I'm not a huge fan of white wine, and this is definitely yeah, good for me. I'm really that's, particular with It goes well with, with my wines. morning coffee I have right here. So the first thing, your first sip, because it's, it's actually going to taste, it might taste bad on your first sip because your mouth isn't ready for it. Swirl it around, ignore it, swallow, spit, whatever you want, and then, uh, then you're ready to Thank you, to Ron, drink. for that sound effect. Yeah, that was, that was Ron um, cleaning his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody this wants is to li- hear this Listerine stuff here. 08. <laughs> we're doing a coffee cup in next week, Joel, and we're, we're making noises then too. Yeah, if if you'd want to just watch us, you can actually tune in to nfnradio.com, see us live, uh, or you can uh, find the video afterwards. We'll make sure to post it as well. All right, that's and, great. And then then tasting, it should. And a lot of times, this one kind of to me just follows what you smell, and it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward, fun. Um, 
I would drink this wine a lot. I actually do drink this wine a lot. And so this is Canyon Wind. Canyon Wind Cellar. So they're out in Palisade. They have like this <coughs> like baller estate. They're they're like the drunk. I have to leave. <laughs> All right. Joel, Joel's got to go. Thanks for being here, Joel. We'll see you soon. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, uh, Josh, have all my wine. I will. Okay. Josh has to drink double. I will. You're like I've the people at church who like go to get communion, and yeah, right yeah, after yeah. they drink the wine, they run out and leave, and yeah, they'll, they'll wait till the end of Mass. The You're not even staying for the last song. Mm-hmm. All right. You're going to miss the night train. <laughs> I'll have you guys play. Colorado sp- night train. You can just pour the next wine as we're going. But yeah, can you win? Uh, they're out in Palisade. Baller Estate. They've got a cool little wine cellar. Beautiful vineyards, all that good stuff. And they've got a tasting room in Georgetown, too. So when you're stuck in ski traffic, you can pop in which, and then drive home. I don't know if that's really smart to do. <laughs> well, okay. Now, tell, tell us while that's we're pouring this next wine. Why, what, what has changed about Colorado wine in the last couple of years? Is it just that, that public taste has shifted where people don't feel like they can only drink Chardonnay and Merlot and like varietals are getting more diverse and Colorado has different grapes that grow better or what's what's going on there? So a couple things. So the uh, Canyon Wind is kind of a granddaddy in the industry. They've been around for 15 plus years, which makes them ancient for Colorado winemakers. Right. Um, they did something very smart. They brought in Bob Pepe, who's a, a well-known Napa winemaker, and he's been consulting with them over the years. And what you see is a lot of these winemakers, as they turn from hobbyists to pros, they're bringing in these guys from Napa, from Australia, guys with education, guys who know what they're doing, and gals, I should say. Um, and they're getting more professional people to make or help with their wines. Uh, the other thing that's happening, and the next three wines we're going to drink are all produced along the front range. And I think that helps a lot. When you're out in Palisade, the easy th- you can easily produce a sugary wine and get, and I don't want to you know get all the people from Texas and Kansas and the Midwest all riled up, but they like sweet wine, and right. they like tasting yep. room wine. So yes. they just put some sugar in it, they're on their bikes, and they're having a grand old time, and they're drinking whatever they get served, and they have a lot of fun by case after case. If you're making wine in Boulder or Denver or Evergreen or anywhere along the Front Range, you're getting into a city palate, and people actually expect wine to be good in the city. Weird how that works. Go, go figure. Go so, figure. So they're yeah. held to a higher standard. Um, and that kind of goes with it. And they're also they're starting to learn what grapes grow well here. And a lot of things do well here. But when you get outside the Cabernet and the Chardonnay world, you can find a lot of stuff doing better, you know, in the glass. Like this next wine we're drinking is a, a Gewürztraminer. Okay. Which you have to say three times fast after chugging a glass of wine. Gewürztraminer, Gewürztraminer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is made by Creekside Cellars which um, they're also kind of an interesting winery to talk about for two reasons. One, I think uh, their winemaker, Michelle Cleveland, does an excellent job with her wines. They've got a beautiful little cafe up in Evergreen, and you can just kind of hang out, drink on the patio, um, great food, good experience, good wine. Um, but one of the things that I think, in, and we've had long conversations with her about this, and she kind of knows, you know, if you look at the label here, it's not the – the prettiest you know it's it's whatever but right. it's not pulling people in and i don't want to be mean because they're going to get mad at me because they like me now and that could change at any given moment um the wine's good i swear um it is. but it, it's also a marketing thing too um wineries in colorado are starting in, to realize more and more that they have to look cool be cool and taste good to get people to buy their wine right and it starts with the label that's almost more important than what's in the glass I mean, a little a little tip folks don't don't put an animal on your that. label because that I don't know cool what it, three years ago though. I yeah this this yeah that's penguins true. and such. Yeah, 
if it, what I don't know what it is, but if you have a, an animal on your label, you're probably going to sell well. But it, it's sort of a cue to me that your wine is not that good. I don't I don't know why. Maybe maybe it's a taint in my mind. Like you're saying, we yeah. taste things. I have I have a bias against the animal on the on the label. Okay. How do you feel about animals on labels? Is I, that is that is that is that really a sign? Like if I see one, is no, it if if the label looks cool, I'm for it. Because to me, when I, when I see a good packaged wine, yeah, they're thinking about a lot of things. So I'm hopeful that they're going to be thinking about what's in the bottle as well. because so, even like Yellowtail, because Yellowtail is is cheap wine, right? It, yeah, sure. It, but they have from start to finish, they have an idea of what they want it to be and what they want it to taste like, what they want it to look like, and how much they want it to cost. So they're so you know, you know if they've got a good label that at least they're they're putting yeah. thought all the way from from the ground to the to the bottle. Right. And in the case of this, you look at the label and you you might not think that. I happen to know Michelle very well, and I know she is probably one of the most studious winemakers in the state, and she does everything with a purpose. And the wine shows it, but you have to get people to open the bottle first. Luckily, they have this beautiful cafe again where people get experience to it and they get hooked on it. But if you're just putting this along the lines with all the the French wines, it's it, a bear on a unicycle. I would buy that wine in a heartbeat. What if it was juggling? Oh shit! It's a talented bear <laughs> on a unicycle. I'll take four cases. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Paonia and I went on a wine tour there some years back, and there was this old German woman at, that made a Gewurztraminer. Terra Creek Winery. Yeah, that place was amazing. And I'm not usually a fan of the Gewurztraminers because they're too sweet. I'm not finding this one too sweet. Yep. But she actually did a dry one. Right. That that was amazing. And, and, and I've and, never experienced a dry Gewurztraminer. And a lot of people don't. And Gewurztraminer is all about the balance. Um, if it's grown in a cold weather environment, it's going to be very acidic based on its mm -hmm. just natural properties. Yeah, yeah. this this has a little more bite than the last yeah. one we had. This is a food wine to me. I want to, I want to eat all day with this, you know, and I want to just get a great little spread and sit on uh, I like drinking on patios. I bring that up over and over yeah, again. Yeah, right. Right. right, sure. But this is a patio with a little table next to me with, like, you know, some gourmet charcuterie and some – you know all the cheeses again, and I just women in togas feeding you grapes. If, if I would actually like this wine even more, I don't know how we can arrange that. Maybe the Colorado Wine Board can arrange women in toga feeding me yeah. grapes. All right, Colorado Wine Next Board, podcast. if you're listening, yes. But again, um, Gewurztraminer. This is a wine you should definitely seek out in Colorado, whether it's from uh, Creekside or any number of other vintners. Um, okay. Just a really hardy grape that does very well in Colorado. Hard to pronounce, but. But Easy once you drink. get it, it's so much yeah. fun to say. I know. Or you can just call it the G wine, and most people know the, it there. The German G. The German G. Mm -hmm. Not to be confused with the German G spot. I was waiting for someone to say yeah. that. I went there. <laughs> All right, now we're going into the hotbed of winemaking in Colorado. Boulder. Really? Go B O L or B O U L? You're not being sarcastic. I, I, I'm I, no. not being sarcastic whatsoever. There, Dude, are, they don't grow the grapes there. They bring the grapes in, they, right? They, they bring the grapes in uh, again. By and large, the grapes are coming from Palisade, with some exceptions. They, they get some Paonia fruit in there as well. Um, but you've got three really solid winemakers in, in Boulder. The first one that we're going to be tasting is uh, Hookcliffe Vineyards. Um, Julian's coming in for some uh, extras. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so Bookliff, they have their winery in North Boulder. Um, they actually own a lot of the vineyards that they get their fruit from out in Palisade. So right. they're they're farming and then just transporting. Um, I think we need one more. And uh, 
they have won one of the most prestigious awards in that you'll see uh, a Jefferson Cup, which is uh, Doug Frost, this total wine geek who has two of the highest certifications in the wine world. And he's one of, I think, three to hold both the uh, Master Sommelier and Master of Wine uh, certificates, which basically means he's been drinking wine and studying it for longer than I think any of us could ever do. I just huh. like to drink it. Um, this is the uh, Ensemble, which is a Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauve, and Malbec blend, I believe. All very good things. Yeah, so it's basically it's their Bordeaux style. And uh, I don't know. I just think this is a nice, fun, easy-drinking, very mellow, very well-blended wine. Mm. Um, and it just showcases, again, that these guys in Boulder, I mean, you can't make crap wine in Boulder. They're not going to, no one's going to buy it. The restaurants in oh, town won't, nice. won't distribute your wine. Ooh. There you go. I just yeah. had to throw that in there. Good. That is nice. That's, Damn. that's like Gary Vaynerchuk slurp there. That's I know. Good. He's kind of a, an idol of mine. He's got decent I, legs. Okay, legs mean nothing. Really? They mean nothing. Oh, oh no! I got to call you. impressed people You're with that. You're ruining my world. You no. just destroyed my world. I love if, say, I love talking about the legs. Me too. The, the only thing in a restaurant. <laughs> it's about the only thing I can identify. <laughs> It'll t- it tells you nothing of the quality. It might uh, tell you it's a, it got a little bit of booze in it, but it can be affected by atmospheric pressure just as well as anything uh, else. Huh. So sorry to... <laughs> My world is shattered. I'm still going to say it. I'm going to perpetuate that, yeah, that I mean, myth. Go for it. And then, you know, uh, you know maybe... Along you with can, other myths. You yeah. can just continue to. And I have a lot of friends who do that. I used to do it. I used to be a man. Look at those legs. And legs I thought I knew something. And then I learned... Anybody's so wondering so, what we're okay. talking about is the when you swirl the wine around... If there are little s- streams that, foam, that collect yeah. and stay and run down the inside of your glass. Yeah. It means nothing. Well, Josh, if it makes you feel better, I still think that you have decent legs. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> comment wow. on, the you the wine is working, legs. ladies and well, gentlemen. <laughs> the wine is working. Yep, I'm starting to look good. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. The, yeah, the, hey, the other winery of note that we're not going to be drinking today and from Boulder is September Cellar. So that guy... There's a guy making 500 cases of wine a year. doesn't get out to really hardly anyone, but he'll deliver it on bicycle, mm. which is oh, kind of cool. And nice. he lives on Grape Street in Boulder. Of course. Of so course. Typical. 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 And he makes wine out of the house. So mm. there's that. But, yeah, this is uh, – Isn't what's that just a bootlegger? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moonshine? I mean – yeah, and yeah, tell us now of the hundred uh, <coughs> wine producers that you were talking about here in Colorado. How many of those are super small time? They're making this out of their house or a garage or a tiny little office warehouse. Well, uh, if you compare to the rest of the wine world, every single one of them is super small. Right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I have a wine club in Napa, and they sent me their you know small release Sauvignon Blanc, which is like fourteen thousand cases. That would make <laughs> it the second largest winery in Colorado, I believe, just uh, on that release alone. Okay. Yeah. Most of these guys are anywhere from on the small end a couple hundred cases up to maybe three four five thousand cases one of the bigger guys now is denver's uh, infinite monkey theorem yep. uh, oh yeah they're which great. you know he's definitely made a lot of inroads in into colorado you know even though he doesn't really play you know, like he's kind of on his own little island away right, from, right, right, right. from the they industry. do great marketing though yeah like, and I, I, do, I do have a positive bias towards monkeys so his label's yeah. okay his no his label is sweet he just he just because <laughs> they fling poo yeah you're for poo Food, <laughs> pro Damn. poo, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, okay. he's got a, a sparkling wine in a can, which has just become the most popular thing in Denver. It's a hipster wine, actually. I would say that's yeah. a hipster wine. Bo- you mean a bobo, 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 bobo wine? wine? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, what? What's the name of that? I don't even. Uh, know it, it's just it's his uh, 
I think he's doing a, it's a muscat, a black muscat. Just I don't think it has an actual name. I've never on. heard of that. What is what's that varietal? Muscat is one of the oldest varietals on the on the planet. Really? And uh, and a lot of times it, it ends up making a really nice dessert style wine. Mm-hmm. In this in this case, it's, it's uh like it, it's a it's but a sugary sparkling wine. Mm. Um, Bookcliff makes a wonderful dessert wine out of their muscat. Um, there's white muscat, black muscat, and all sorts of other muscats. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I let's like. let's keep moving. We got right. we we've got lots of viewers actually watching us live right now, so uh, we want right. to keep keep them happy. Watch, so so, so we're gonna what's lost six. With <laughs> thirteen, we've been 13. up to like twenty-two oh, at one point. That's amazing for us. Yeah. So so the right. next wine that that we're spreading around right now is uh, Boulder Creek Winery. Uh, they're neighbors of John Garlich and Bookcliff Vineyards. And this is called their consensus. I brought this on for two reasons. One, it's a kick-ass wine. Um, so we got that going for it. But two, one of the things they've done and what a lot of other people are always trying to do is get people involved in the wine. And uh, with this, they actually have their wine club members come and vote on the blend of it. So they feel like they're wine winemakers and they get to say, this is what the final thing will look like. Um, and in this case, this actually ended up being a non-vintage wine because they voted on wines from a couple different years. And uh, this is a similar blend to what we were at. I've got a question. Yes. Um, which, which, well, can you pass uh, me the wine first? I'm Colorado empty. wine is um, closest to the actual blood of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let me think about that. Hardball. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not softball. I, I would say Alfred Eames Sellers out of Paonia. His uh, oh god, he's got like a Bordeaux blend that has a fancy name, and there's like people having sex on the label. Um, oh. <laughs> I was actually up there with a friend, and he was like looking. Not at the with label. animals, though, right? No, no animals. Okay. No animals on labels. He, my my friend looks at the the label, and he goes, "Man, these labels are really sexual." And Eames Peterson, the uh, the winemaker, yeah. goes, "They're sensual, Zach. They're sensual." sensual. Yeah. I thought they were pretty sexual too. Um, that that might be the closest to the blood. What are we trying here? Okay, tell tell us about this wine. So we're, bull- we're running out of time. We're we're gonna dispense <coughs> with the Valentine's blues today, and uh, yeah, I think that's right. Well, we'll just move move into love and hate. But first, tell us about this wine, and then you got to tell us about the Colorado Urban Wine Festival. Okay, so well. so this is Boulder Creek Winery consensus again voted the final blend voted on by um, the actual wine club members. So they come in, drink a bunch at the winery, and say we want it. So this is a Merlot, Syrah, Cab Sauv, and Cab Franc blend. So Kind of a Bordeaux with a twist with that Syrah in there. Um, again, I think this is a really nice, well-balanced wine. Um, it's done well in all the little wine competition circuits for, for whatever that's worth. And I think that if you want to talk about a cool-looking label, I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll pass smooth, it around. Yeah, smooth, smooth, and crowdsourced as that far is. as its choice. So that's it's kind of a it, consensus. Uh, th- th- this is their most expensive sense, wine that they offer, and I kind of feel like it just by looking at it, it might be worth it. And then you right, taste right, it, right. And, and you see it too. Yeah, I got I got to give you credit here, Jacob. Uh, the I I tried every single wine at the uh, the vi- tour of the vineyards that I did several years ago. None of them were as good as the four wines we've tasted today. So kudos yeah. on on your choice, your ability to make a choice, uh, as well as kudos to Colorado wineries for stepping it up. Yeah, they, they're they're doing yeah. great. This is beautiful. Great news for us. Drink local wine. Tell, tell us about yeah. this Colorado Urban Wine Festival. All right, Colorado Urban Wine Festival. So for like 20-some odd years, they've had Colorado Mountain Wine Festival, which is this big party out in Palisade, and everybody yep. loves it. They camp out. They get hotel rooms, and that's where the tour of the vineyards it's a, is. It's a that. good time, folks. And uh, starting last year, they decided, hey, we need to do one of these out in Denver to get like the city folk in. They did it up at uh, Stapleton last year, which had some good successes, but 
It's at stay, Stapleton. It's at Stapleton. And, um, you know, I, I'll take – I've been kind of harassed. I'm like, you got to get a better venue. you got to get a better venue. And they either listened to me or came up with the idea on their own. I don't know really which, but I'll take credit because I like to take credit. Um, and they're moving to Sculpture Park this year right out in front of the DCPA, you know, where the big yeah. tall dude is. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the dancing sculptures. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So really the cool The dancing venue. aliens. The dancing aliens. And uh, it is going to be June 9th, and uh, it's going to be really cool, but probably about 50-some-odd wineries. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to be doing cocktail-making classes and all that stuff and basically trying to make it fun for the Denver crowd to introduce downtown Denver to Colorado wine. And I'll be there. I'll be drinking heavily, probably. Beautiful. Good Sounds good, good. All right. Well, Jacob, th- thanks for bringing us on. Well, yeah. We're going to have you back. We'll try and have you back before the Colorado Urban Wine Festival happens so we can uh, talk Drink about that wine. again. Um, we're going to dispense with Valentine's Blues. Sorry, folks that are uh, single or married with children. Valentine's Day is just not for you. Uh, let's move very quickly, very quickly to love and hate. Josh. I've got a lukewarm love this week um, for Colorado fi- or Denver finally stepping up and participating in the uh, shit people say meme. Yay. Yeah. If so check it out. Western it's not, has a it's not as good as some other ones. That's why it's lukewarm. And but Western it's put done. out their uh, shit people in Denver say. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, pretty amusing. Uh, Jared. Uh, I want to hate on the guy who uh, glitter-bombed Mitt Romney uh, the other day before the Colorado caucuses. Not because I'm against glitter bombs. I'm all for them when they actually are symbolically correct. If you're going to glitter bomb somebody, which is used by gay activists to protest uh, lawmakers who have anti-gay tendencies, you should have glitter bombed Rick Santorum, who actually won the uh, the caucus. And uh, it actually turns out that this this guy a uh, is a student at UC, uh, CU Denver, but is also a or was an intern for the state Democrats in the press office. So a pretty stupid and uh, symbolically incorrect statement there. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and Jacob. I didn't give this much thought, so I apologize. But uh, I'm going to hate on the fact that Denver has the worst bagels ever and i just really want a good bagel yeah. i concur <laughs> can, I, can i get a bagel out here can i get a, bagel, get a please? fucking bagel right. okay um i'm, I'm gonna i'm that. gonna skip i am gonna briefly love on our new website even though i designed it and that's totally solipsistic uh please go check out denverdiatribe.com uh it, it's completely different and uh i hope you enjoy it all right well that's that's about all the love and hate we have for this week if you have something to say about today's topics or would like to share a little of your own love and hate please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL that's 720-282-9355 each week we'll pick our favorite messages and play them on the show if you'd like to learn more about Colorado or New Mexico wines be sure to visit localwinos.com and our, Texas uh, and Texas uh, our theme music is by the band Houses our web hosting is sponsored by bluechannel.com you can Watch and listen to Denver Diatribe live every Friday at 9 a.m. at nfnradio.com or subscribe to our free podcast by email, iTunes, Stitcher Mobile Radio, you name it. Again, uh, please join us on February 29th for our special free event at Denver Film Center. For more information, give us a shout on Twitter, Facebook, or visit our website at denverdiatribe.com. I'm Ron Doyle. On behalf of my co-hosts and Jacob Harkins, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day.